0: Welcome to A Moment with Modern Mentors, a podcast series by Digital Collective Code where we soak up wisdom, anecdotes and actionable tips from Australian startups, female founders, business leaders, industry pioneers and C-suite executives.
1: So I'm Pete, uh, Peter Davis, I'm the founder and CEO of Ampjar. I'm a massive believer in small business and community and the power of authentic marketing and I've got little twin girls and we tend to find that... Um, we just love being connected into anywhere we're spending money just we we find that the more purposefully we spend our money the more connected we feel in our lives and yeah I'm i'm a huge fan of when you buy from a little brand you change their lives and you change your lives yeah i'm so excited to be able to bring this out to the world and see if we can do a little bit of helping along the way
0: This is episode 15, the last one for 2021 of A Moment with Modern Mentors A Call for Change, season two. This week, we interview Pete Davis. He is the CEO and founder of AmpJar, a tech company that empowers consumer brands through collaborative advertising communities. Basically, his motto is Stronger Together, and that pretty much explains what he does. He helps businesses through the AmpJar platform. Can promote and collaborate together with their own social media channels so if you're a small business and you want to help out another small business through the amp jar platform you can literally shout out to your community about a great business that you appreciate and like and they do it back in return and it's through a a currency they call the karma so through karma you actually build up some credit with each other and you're able to help each other out and that comes back in return to you and it's a fantastic model it's so modern it's absolutely what everyone needs to be doing and it supports shopping local small business and businesses who are growing from the ground up it's a fascinating interview this week i can't wait for you to hear it he's a super smart guy he's a marketer by trade he's an entrepreneur he's got two little young girls and a wife himself and he has done this firsthand he's raised money so that he can make this business this tech company work and operate and supports thousands of businesses not only in australia but also around the world he's got a global ambition and it's a fascinating story So I look forward to you hearing this interview with Pete Davis from AmpJar. Hi, Peter. So good to have you on a moment with Modern Mentors. A call for change is a season two. And actually, you are our last guest for 2021. This is pretty exciting and finishing off on a high. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: What a year it's been, huh? 2021 goes down (laughs) in history. is such a great year for everyone
0: this is the perfect time of year because as everyone's kind of coming into the end of November and into the holiday Christmas season, you know, people are starting to think about, you know, spending probably hard-earned money, That especially this year, it's been such hard-earned money on gifts and presents and experiences for that holiday period. And, you know, I myself know that I don't want to just kind of frivolously give it to some big corp. I'm, I really you know, like exactly like you say. I want to make sure that the, the people that have been brave enough to start and get through this period, that's where I'm giving my money to. So oh, it's, I can't wait to talk to you about Ampjar. I guess one of the things that I wanted to find out a little bit more about you was what an altruistic company to launch, but how did you get here? Tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to this point of launching a business like Ampjar.
1: Yeah. So I actually worked in professional sport, like not as an athlete, as you can probably tell, but um, yeah, worked in <laughs> professional sport for the formative part of my career and worked my way up to work for a very big international marketing company. We worked with Australian, the Australian Open and ran that commercial program or got involved in that commercial program and we worked on bringing Tiger Woods out to play in the Masters out here. And so we did some really big glitzy stuff. And then there was a brand that I loved. It was called Moxie. It was a feminine hygiene brand. I just love the founders. Just two great people doing really cool things. And they said, yeah, we're not going to sponsor this big fashion event that IMG owns. We're going to do this thing called social media. Do you know anyone who does social media? And it was like, well, my wife sort of does stuff in that area. If you want to talk to her, you can go <laughs> and talk to her. And I remember coming back home and saying to Maria, my wife, hey, there's this brand that wants someone to do social media for them. You should go and talk to them. And she was like, I have no idea what what I would even say to them. She was sort of doing it for some magazines that she was writing for. And I was like, oh, don't worry, go talk to them. And... Yeah, she just went and spoke with them and they told her how much she wanted, how much they had as a budget. And she's like, Well, I could totally do that. And I could, I could do that. We could do a few brands. We could do this. And so we launched an agency in the social media space. And this was back when the pitch was Hey, this is what Facebook is. And this is how brands can use Facebook to market their businesses. <laughs> and so it was a very different world and no algorithms and no uh, well, no Instagram back then, even. And so we actually built that business to having 20 full time staff in out of, out of an office in Melbourne. We worked with big brands like Tony Bianco. We took them from having 5,000 friends to having like 200,000 followers on Facebook and, and on Instagram. We were working with some really big brands like Clarins, the big French skincare company, and just a lot of huge brands. But we saw this new trend coming in that as the tech got easier for small businesses to to launch in our world, we were on the side of someone like Clarins. And we'd get imagery from Paris of this incredible model walking down the Champs-Élysées. And then we'd architect what this this is going to look like, how we're going to speak about it, what we're going to share. And we'd put it out on social channels. And then a couple of girls who are running a skincare company out of the back of a van in Byron would put up a post. And which one do you think got more engagement? Like it was always the more authentic story that people loved. And we very quickly realized that for big brands, social media is about just amplification, just putting your story out there and trying to look cool and do your thing. And for small brands, social media is a game changer because it lets you talk to people in that one-on-one way that you're so good at normally doing over a counter or over a market stall and have that relationship at a a one-to-many scale. And so... Yeah, I dropped what I was doing on the agency. We actually sold the agency to private equity and that worked out really well for us. Yeah, I jumped into to launching AmpJar and I, there's a bit of a story. I did the whole Silicon Valley route. So I went over to San Francisco, raised a couple of million dollars from some venture funds in San Francisco and in New York. And so I have to go to New York for business, business meetings quite often, which is quite the shame. And they're based in Tribeca. So it's not even that it's a rough part of New York. It's like the nicest part. Um, <laughs> and so... Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of how we got to where we are right now.
0: That's awesome. And what was it about launching AmpJar that kind of distinguished that from your an agency that you had clients like Clarence? Like what was the difference between your new proposition and the old proposition?
1: I think the, the old proposition was we were, we were backing businesses that could afford to give us thousands of dollars a month mm. to talk on their behalf. And when you have an agency talking on your, your behalf, it is very much, I'm going to say it's inauthentic, but it's like true, classic, big brand marketing. Mm -hmm. Like I'll play that role. You play that role. You give me this piece and we'll all put it out there. In the new position with AmpJar, our new our new bet is on small business. We're entirely betting on small business, saying we believe that small business is the future. This is where the growth is going to come from. Shopify has changed the world, so that it's really it's so easy for brands to build this stuff and to and to sell products really easily anywhere around the world with the same shopping and shipping experience as the biggest brands in the world. With essentially, we've gone from betting on big brands to betting on small brands. I think there's there's a lot more volatility with small brands, especially over the last couple of years, but I love the personal stories, and I love the ability for us to to change genuinely, genuinely change lives every day by sending lots of new traffic to businesses every
0: every single day. Yeah, that's so exciting, and it's not limited to Australia or one country. It's a global yeah. platform, right? You can offer this to yeah. small businesses around the world.
1: So we launched here in Australia because we knew the businesses here really well, and we we got to know. I'm not sure if you've ever ever been to like finders keepers the markets, but mm-hmm. um, you, know, you walk around those places and you look, you look at all the incredible businesses there. And you just think like, wow, these guys are every one of these people and the kind of people that I want to help in some way. If there's a way that we can help, these are the people that we want to help. And so we got to know a few businesses there and then started to talk to them and then they would introduce to their friends. And so we've got a really strong following in Australia. We're now in New Zealand as well. We're in the US and Canada. And that's our four focuses right now. But yeah, new plan is, is how we expand that out and go into... The UK and Singapore, and then out through Southeast Asia and through Europe, and just keep going that way.
0: So, tell us how it actually works. If you're a user, if you're a retailer, small business retailer, yeah. you've, you've come across AmpJar. What are you? What are you experiencing?
1: Yeah, so we're essentially a platform where you discover other businesses that you want to shout out and be shouted out by in return. Mm-hmm. So, we're a whole big community of just under a thousand brands where. You'll jump in, you'll have a look around and say, I could naturally shout out some of these businesses. This feels like a thing that I could do. I could look at someone here and say, wow, I'm super proud of this brand over here that's launching this new product. They're amazing, go check them out. Or wow, don't you love this new product from these guys, have a look. So if you're comfortable, if you're the kind of person who can lift other people up and you're comfortable doing that and you feel as though you can do that in your normal dialogue through Mm. Instagram, you would just jump in and you would just start to share some people. And so it doesn't mean that those people have to share you back or will be the ones who share you back. Often it works that way. But then what happens is what our system is underpinned by what we call karma. So when you shout someone out, you earn karma. And when you've got karma, someone can shout you out. So every person on there who's got karma has done more sharing than they've been shared. And so they're the people that you would go and choose to share. And so it's this whole big community of I jump in, I choose people that I might want to share at any given point in time. And those are the the people who then shout me out and get me out in front of their customers and get lots of traffic heading my way.
0: And have you felt it's been a bit of a shift for people? Because I know we're we're moving into this space where people are starting to look after each other a lot more. You know, there's this real sense of look out for people make sure people are doing okay support where you can support local shop local but there is at the end of the day kind of only a finite amount of products out there and uh, you know i'm assuming there's a bit of a shift that has to go on for retailers to think okay there's one pajama store online and then there's another competing one you know there's only you know one that can win the battle but how is this community how does that shift those thoughts and that kind of competitive landscape and actually bring it right into the community because i think this is the most interesting part about AMPJAR.
1: Yeah, I, I think that a lot of people absolutely get it straight away. And a lot of people absolutely do not get it straight away. <laughs> <laughs> and, and generally you can tell who it's going to be. Generally, there's a there's a kind of gender split as well. Is that <laughs> women get it, guys don't get it. Guys <laughs> don't get it it's maybe this like competitive gotta (laughs) be the winner. It's a one horse race where where there's, there's only one that's going to survive kind of mentality. Whereas I think women seem to understand that, I'm like one out on my own. I'm out here trying to do this thing. Yeah, maybe I've been able to employ someone else to help me with this and someone to help me with this. Maybe I've got four people in the factory helping me with all these other things. But they understand that there's this model of of being stronger together. Mm. And it's possible to go out here and just do your own thing and fly your flag and win on your own. But it's a lot easier if you have other people who are out there evangelizing for you. Mm. If you launch a product tomorrow and you are responsible for sharing, doing all the sharing and putting it out there on your own. A lot of people think that, okay, well, I've got to put this much budget into this. I've got to spend in these areas. I've got to go and do this. The people who already have like a pre-existing network around them, they don't have that cold start problem. Mm. They have this ability to say to their friends, hey, we're launching this new range on this day. I'd love if you could share it out there. You know, one jewelry brand sharing one skincare brand, saying, oh like check these guys and just release this new like charcoal mask. I love these guys. I love their eye serum. Maybe mm-hmm. this this product might be brilliant as well. Mm-hmm. That goes a long way because oh, you're yeah. talking to people who shop with small brands. Yeah. You're talking to people who believe in one story. And let's be really clear, buying from a small business is a leap. But if I go and buy something from Kmart, I know I can take it back. If I buy something from Ikea, I've got the 365 day returns policy. And if I don't like it, if I snap it as I'm trying to build it, I can just take it back and it's up, it's up to them to replace it. When you buy from a small business, you take a leap because someone's out there saying, Hey, I've started this new like beeswax candle company thing and we're brilliant and we're awesome. But you don't know that. You're just listening to what they say. And so you have to take a leap to believe in this small business. So when you've taken that leap and you've bought something from this new business, you've kind of gone through something together. You've Mm -hmm. had this thing where you were like, I'm going to spend, I'm going to give you this $40. And if I see it, fingers crossed, I see it. But I know that. If you just ghost me, I'm not, I mean, never see that money again. <laughs> and so when it then comes through and when they said, hey, you're going to love it and you do love it. And when they said it, it's going to make your house smell better than ever before and it does, you mm-hmm. trusted them and now you trust them even more. And yeah. so our model is saying you have such strong relationships with your customers that beat the relationships that the biggest brands have. Leverage those relationships to go and get more because there's other people out there who have that same depth of relationship, and we want to help you leverage that. If you just, just to like stretch on the point, probably too far, but if you were a brand like Red Bull, Red Bull is the best marketing brand in the world. They do better than anyone else in the world. I'm going to caveat that they do better than anyone else worth more than $10 million. But the smallest brands, the ones that you meet the owner at a market stall, and Mm. then, you know, then she's got a couple of market stalls, and then she goes here and then she's got herself a retail location. And then she's got a absolute pump in Shopify store. They're the best brands in the world (laughs) because they're the ones who build that relationship so that I actually care about you, like I actually give a shit. And so do I care about the owner of Red Bull? No. Do I like when they make a video of a guy jumping out of a spaceship? Yeah, that's cool. But it's not the same as how much I actually care about this little brand that I Mm. genuinely love and genuinely want to see win. And I want to give my money to. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And do you think that, um, you know, in terms of the life cycle of the retailer that comes and launches on Ampjar, they need to be kind of pretty established by the time they get to you? Is it kind of a marketing channel that they need once they've got their Shopify store, once they've got a pretty flourished Instagram feed, you know, they, they've got their shipping established and things like that. They've got to be set up properly, right? To to really you leverage to it. Be,
1: yeah, I think you need to be operational. Part of the kind of joy of what we have here is that a tiny brand can shout out a big brand, and mm. vice versa. Mm. The hard thing about collaborations is that normally you're looking for someone who's like, well, I've got 12,000 followers. This person's got 15,000 followers. So I have to kind of go to them, like, <laughs> like little cap in hand to be like, yeah. please, sir, can you, can I please like do a collaboration with you? I know I'm not quite as big as you, but will you <laughs> please, you know, and it gets a little bit weird because you kind of have to find your sweet spot. Whereas the way that Amtra works is that. If the big brand shouts out a small brand, they'll just earn more karma for doing it. If a small brand's only going to get, you know, two or three clicks on what they share, well, then they'll earn less.
0: How does that work then? How does the karma kind of currency work?
1: Yeah, so we have relatively complicated algorithms in the background that say okay well if if there's this many views and this many clicks it equals this much karma and so it could be different on different channels like a view on an Instagram story is not the same as a view on post checkout or something like that mm. and so we've got a few different ways that you can shout out people on emails Instagram TikTok now uh, Facebook if you want to so there's there's a whole big array of things and in every channel we've done some maths to work out what a view is really worth what a click's worth and wow. like the or intent at that point in time. So it's all based on the likelihood of you getting a conversion. And so essentially, anytime you you put something up, you will earn karma that is equivalent, that will mean that you're going to get back the same that you gave someone else. Yeah. So if you shared someone and it got 20 clicks and 300 views, well, if someone shouts you out and it gets... 10 clicks and 150 views. Well, then you're still owed Mm. 10 clicks and another 150 views. So we're going to make sure that you get that. So you've got karma still that will equal that. So everything you give to someone else, you'll get back in return from someone
0: else. Yeah, I love that. You've got a range of kind of medium, big, small businesses on board. How have you attracted that kind of range of businesses? Why is it not just all the small ones? I
1: think we've gone out there you know, quite deliberately to just understand what this world really looks like. And I think that it's funny that quite often some of the bigger brands we have on the platform started off really small. They were never huge initially, but they've just kind of found a break and they've done it. They've done things differently. And, and they've kind of stayed with us because they value how the platform works. So, and there's some really great big brands in there. And there's a couple of really big brands, someone like Who Gives a Crap, The Toilet Paper mm, Company. I and, you know. I, I and so, you know, we... We've known them for a long time and like Simon, the CEO, and I've known each other for a while. And, and you know, I remember just like being at a panel talking with him a few years ago and, you know, now they're worth ridiculous amounts of money and they're huge. They're all over the world, but they still understand that they have to keep acting and behaving like a small business mm. if they want to keep the strength of relationship that they have with their customers. If they suddenly went out there and said, no, nah, we, we don't care about this stuff anymore, where we've come from we're going to now just go talk like a big brand, they'll lose what they have because someone else will come in who I believe in more who wants to talk to me.
0: They can lose that market share that they've gained. Do you think that's something that's common with business owners who have grown, that have started small? Do you see that often? Because I think that's actually fascinating. You know? I think There's a
1: big challenge for sure because mm. scaling means that you can't do everything that you used to do. And so even if you're someone who said, all right, well I'm going to I'm going to go to some markets and so many people have started this way and you know done the whole sell a product in a mason jar at a market whether it be a granola or a skincare or candles or whatever. It's like, yep, yeah, going to find some jars and put it out there on a table and see what we can sell. <laughs> but and the person who runs the business doing that will always be more effective than the you know, someone, yeah. you bring your niece in to do it for a while and then you mm-hmm. get a couple of her friends to do it and then you have to start, you know, hiring external staff. They're never going to be as engaging as you are as the business owner, of course. Mm. So I think growing pains is a real big challenge for for businesses. And it's a it's a good problem to have because you have to make those decisions. But I think you've got to be really clever and, and smart about the way that you tell that story. And I think often the small businesses that we talk about, you know, some people refer to them as personality brands is that I'm actually not buying into the brand. I'm buying into the person behind the brand. Mm. And so if someone's there who will pick up their phone and point at themselves and talk into stories all day, you can't stop doing that. It's really hard to go backwards. (laughs) There's also this thing, I think, where businesses have to make this decision of if you were the kind of brand that let's say you were making kids clothes the most natural thing for you to do is to take pictures of your own kids and share those pictures and say like here they are like we're in this and here I am with the kids today and we're going here and we're doing this people love that and they mm-hmm. want to build it they want to buy into that relationship that they have and i think it's just a really natural human thing to do that now has gone from offline into online is that i like following someone who lets me into their life and shows me this because we feel like we're friends the hard thing about that is you, can, you can't go backwards. Mm-hmm. If you suddenly start stripping that stuff out and it's like, hey, I'm never going to show my kids' faces again. And you put like an emoji over their face every time you share them. You lose a little bit of like personal trust connection mm-hmm. through that. And I think that it's the same with if you were the one who was just pointing a camera at yourself and like saying, hey, we're here packing stuff today. I'm going to get out here and I'm going to go to this market and these things. People like that story because it's real and it's you and they can, they can they can kind of like really cheer for you. If you then suddenly outsource that to a marketing agency and we never see your face again, your engagement is going to drop and drop hard mm-hmm. because people want to buy into that story.
0: Are you seeing that you're kind of able to teach your small businesses all these kind of learnings that you've understood over your career or is it, is it too far removed for that? You can just see the winners kind of coming forward and then the ones that don't get that as much kind of don't yeah. have as much engagement. How does that work?
1: It's a great point because I kind of wish that we could. Last year I did a I did a tour with um an old client of ours and went around and spoke to hundreds of hair salons around the country about social media and it was an old like old thing I agreed to do back in early 2020 and it just kind of rolled and rolled through the whole pandemic and so it just lasted forever but it was really nice being out there talking to people because it because you realize that what you know is actually quite Important and quite useful for people. But I think we really struggle. Like one of the struggles for us as a business is that our concept is quite different. And so our concept isn't, oh, we're Uber for dogs. You know, our concept isn't like a very straight thing like that or, hey, we're selling candles. It takes a bit of explaining and it takes a little bit of like, hey, go check it out and you'll see. And so I think we struggle then to really tell those additional parts of the story and to have that really cut through. But yeah, you've maybe think, I just need to go and do that again and do better on that because we're not doing well enough.
0: I think I just think it's so interesting, you know, that that part of it is people want to know what other businesses are doing that are the difference between good and great. A lot of content and reels and video movement is working very well, but people feel like I hear on the word on the street is that people feel quite frustrated with the fact that Facebook and Instagram aren't delivering the same results as they used to. Community channels like yourselves are where you're really getting that authentic share from. And so I think, you know, you've certainly hit on something from a community perspective. How do people get involved? It's not super expensive to get involved in AmpJar either, is it? It's, it's quite a kind of like an affordable monthly fee. Do you want to talk us through a bit about how that works?
1: Yeah, we've got this really weird reverse pricing model, which um, mm-hmm. some people totally get it. And some, again, it's just it's another thing to, dis- to explain where if you're active, we actually won't charge you to use the platform. So we call it auto boost. So if you're using the platform, you're earning credits then you just keep on going and you can use it totally free. If you're someone who is not such a big sharer, you'd rather use it as like more of a paid channel, you want to just buy karma rather than earning karma by sharing other people, then yep, just tell us how much you want to boost every week and we'll, and we'll boost you. So um, you can mix that up. You could say you could just take a couple of weeks off and just boost for a couple of weeks or you just keep on going. So all you have to do if, if you want to keep it free, you just do at least one shout out in a week. And it's really easy to do it's very straightforward to do that but it's just one shout out every week and then otherwise yeah you can tell us just boost me 10, 10 bucks and we'll buy we'll buy you some karma otherwise and, and you can do it that way.
0: It's kind of a must- do right because there's no downside to it. You've got your kind of very affordable entry price but then you've got the opportunity to have a partner or a collaboration with a brand like who gives a crap or one of a thousand on your platform. What are the things you need to do to kind of attract brands to shout to you and share your product and, and services?
1: Yeah, so so there's a few things. One, when you join, we'll ask you to complete a bit of a survey. And so you'll jump in and say, all right, my customers generally identify as these genders. They, um, they're this, this old, they live in these areas, they're into health or they're into their, their parents or they're expecting parents or they're into fitness stuff or whatever it might be. Just tell us those stories. Give us those, hit the tags, tell us which ones it is. And what that allows us to do is it allows us to align you with every brand on the platform and tell you who we think is the best possible fit for you. And so it'll be that hopefully you're sharing lots of different people and you jump in and say, yep, I can shout them out and them out. And you just keep on scrolling, scrolling, and you just find hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of brands that will be a great, a great fit for you anyway. And it doesn't have to be that it's like a really deep collaboration. It's It can just be... I'm just going to shout this person out. And then Mm. that might become something further down the line, but we want you to be able to do the, the highest value part of collaborations really quickly and easily. Yeah, then, then you'll just set up your, your profile so that when people see you, they, they see the kind of content that you believe in, the kind of content that you want to be shared. They hear about you, they learn what your real story is so that when they share you, they might jump in and say, Hey, it's another twin mom over here. She's doing this thing or check out this person. She actually just lives like just down the road from us. Like Those kind of things are mm. really useful when you're talking about this, like doing a natural shout out. Then we have things like we have shout out parties where you can join with a group of other people who will say, we're all going to shout each other out over this 48 hour window. And it just means that you might have something you really want to talk about, or you might just say, this is a really nice kicker just to get me lots of new traffic coming my way. And for you to put something up that says, hey, everyone, over the next couple of days, I'm going to share some of my favorite businesses in Mm. the X space or who are all based in this state or who all also mum founders and all this kind of thing, it gives you an opportunity to say to, to put it out there. And it becomes a positive thing for your customers. So our biggest thing is we never want to shout out to be a negative thing. We never want it to be reluctant. Mm. We always want it to be something that you see as a value add between you and your customer and not, uh, all right, Well, like, I have to give up a bit of advertising space to get a bit of advertising space. No, it's not like that. It mm. has to be, you want to be able to shout this brand out and say, I'm bad at the language, but it's like, oh, I'm totally crushing on these new earrings over here. Like that kind of thing is the kind of stuff we see all the time. Because yeah. again, if it's natural that the, the businesses that we have in a the platform, they've been accepted in. We don't just let anyone in. So they've mm-hmm. had to come in and say, well, it's truly interesting about this brand. Is this the kind of, pe- kind of brand that other people would want to share? If not, then look, hold on. There'll be a time that we can let everyone in. But for now, it's not for you. And so there is a little bit of a bar, but the, the bar is not ridiculous. But the... You'll just know, you know, if you're if yeah. you're out there doing something authentic. If you're out there, if you're selling iPhone cables and you're drop shipping them out of Hong Kong, you're probably not going to have a good time because we just <laughs> we just wouldn't let you in, even if you've got hundreds of thousands of followers. And we see that kind of stuff all the time because we'd rather focus on someone who is building a jewelry company who's got 200 followers but is doing it really authentic, authentically. I'd rather those guys because they're the ones who are going to grow and 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 win.
0: Yeah, As you're speaking, I'm thinking I have so many businesses that I want to introduce to Ampjar who are doing exactly that. They're startups, female startups, you know, founders that have kind of had this great idea and just spent many years working on it. How you know? How do we get more people? Because there is a little bit of an onboarding process, as you've explained. How do you kind of do you find that people come and they're thinking, "Oh gosh, I don't have time to do this," or how do you kind of get them to really realize the value of coming on board? Because I I, I want to spread the word on AmpJar. Is there a way to succinctly explain why and and maybe some of the examples of how it's worked so well for small business?
1: Yeah, I mean, when people come across from a referral, they generally have been told and they get it and they'll jump in it's not too much of an onboarding process and probably made it sound much harder than it is it's, it is pretty straightforward it'll take maybe 10 minutes and then it's done forever oh, and you okay. put it set up it's one of those things that i think like you said in some ways it's a total no-brainer it doesn't need to cost a thing like you can just yeah. keep on using it and for us we, we want to build this up We'll build our business off the back of having lots and lots and lots and lots of people there, and, and just mm. growing it in that way. And we've taken the whole Silicon Valley like venture capital route, and so losing money for us is fine for now. We'll just raise a bit more, and we'll just keep on going down that path. So yeah, just I think I would say it's one of those things that is such an easy part of your marketing mix, and mm. and it's a really easy thing for so many other businesses to do. And people who join stick at stick at it; they love it, and they they love the free traffic that they get for it.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's just got to be part of your marketing mix. You do your social, you do your amp jar, you do your community management or whatever else it is that you do with your limited budget. Tell me, I, I kind of, you know, you've obviously got a lot of experience in raising money and, and you know, buying and selling businesses or launching and selling businesses. What was your background? What did you do in your study and, and getting to this point? I know you, you launched your agency, but what's your specialty, if you like?
1: Yeah. I guess I'm a marketing person, but yeah, it's a good question. It's one of those things that in some ways I've never really understood. I just kind of, I just naturally, this is my space and I love, I love the whole like business, just general business stuff. I was talking to someone yesterday and he's a guy who lives over the road from me and he was saying, I love buying and selling cars, but my parents don't want me to do it. It's from a Lebanese family. And it's like, my parents want me to have a real job. And so mm-hmm. and he's like, but he's like, but what do you, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I love doing this. He's like, yeah, but what do you want to do? Like when you, like if you had, if you sold a business, what would you do? And it's like, I love doing this stuff. I wouldn't stop. Like I couldn't just stop doing it. And he's, he's like, you wouldn't just like, you know, just go and Get a real drive <laughs> around and go on holiday. And it's like, it's like, mate, you know how you love working on cars and you would do that in your spare time? Like, I love doing this and I love working on businesses. And, and yeah, we've, I've recently invested in a few more businesses and that'll come out pretty soon because there's a couple of great businesses I've joined and I chair the board of a, of a really nice charity called Lip Timber, which is uh, mm. in the women's mental health space. And yeah, so we, you know, last week we, we've actually been building the board up and brought a couple of great people onto the board and, Last week we all caught up, and actually next week we're all going to catch up again and do a big in-person. Imagine that uh, session about strategy and the direction of the charity and where we're going to donate our money and all these things. And so I just love being impactful in that way. And and mm. you know, I guess my background is marketing, but I've just always sort of understood these things. And I, I always say it, it's like, hey, if any of our customers want to call me up and just chat about business stuff, I I love doing it. And we mm-hmm. find out so many interesting things by having those mm. conversations because people will say. Like a factory burnt down and this happened and this happened. And, you know, it's a real story is that someone, someone called, called me up and had that conversation. And we just talked about like where they could go next and how they could do supply chain or where it might work. And I just find that I love being that sounding board for people. And, mm. and yeah, but I mean, I've advised, I'm still advising some companies, like some different startups in the US in particular. And I find it really fun. It's just my thing.
0: I mean, you sound super entrepreneurial. You obviously are entrepreneurial. What do you think is the reason that you became the way you are? I mean, what was your kind of influence there?
1: My mum was a childminder all of our lives and my dad worked in insurance. So it was never particularly anything that inspiring from that side of things. (laughs) My mum was actually the first woman to trade international currencies on the London Stock Exchange. (laughs) Um, And she had zero education. She was one of those classic at 16, you just jump on the train and go into London and you just knock on the door of a bank and ask for a job and you get a job. (laughs) And I think the economy's changed slightly from those days. Yeah. So I think she was always a Bit driven in that area but then she kind of gave it all up to have us kids and so I sort of I sort of get that but also I think I've just generally surrounded myself with people that kind of push me in the right direction as well And I'm a big fan of like mentoring and having people around you that you can look up to and that are willing to give their time for you and then doing the same back for mm-hmm. other people I think that maybe the way that everything is moving at such a pace now it used to be that mentoring was always the smart one talking to the other one. Mm. And now it's so different because so often you know, the smart one built businesses in the 90s and early 2000s, but a lot of things were very different then. And they know nothing about social media and they know nothing about the way that you commercialize through apps and, and all these kinds of things. And so, so it, there's a lot of different ways to look at how the mentoring relationship works. But if you don't have people around you who play that role for you, have a think about it. Who is there? Who else is there that's running a business? It could be a totally parallel thing that you're mentoring each other mm. and that you're providing a, a support infrastructure to each other that I'm running a business, someone else is running a business. Why don't we just chat once a week or have, an, have a WhatsApp chat and we can just talk about things? Because I think that that exchange of knowledge piece is really is really valuable and you don't have to do this all on your own. There are other people out there who can help you.
0: And do you find that that's kind of what you're instilling in Amtra as well, this connection between businesses who can develop a relationship, you know, outside of just promoting each other but actually business to business?
1: Yeah, we, we see that so often is that people meet on our platform just by shouting each other out and then someone DMs the other one and says... Hey, thanks for sharing me. And the other one says, no problem. I love your ex. And then someone... And then it just rolls from there. And then you know, a few weeks later, they're doing more and they're doing more and they're doing more. And so we've got plans to find ways that we can add value to that. For now, we're happy to just let it happen. I'd rather mm-hmm. it happened and people got the connection and the value out of it rather than us trying to commercialize it. But if there are ways that we think we can help with that, then we'll, we'll add that into the platform and make that more possible because the best brands always have a community of other people around them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes... You know, there's there's some founders I know in a, in a town in, in Victoria called Bendigo that you might know. Yeah, um, I've
0: got a client and, in Bendigo actually.
1: And there's something in the water there. There's something <laughs> in the water of Bendigo where there's so many people who – are doing this thing. They're making a push. They're trying this out. And they've done a great job of connecting with each other. There's there's one group called the Girls From The Go. That's amazing. It's all business founders who are doing their thing. And some of them are blown up. Some haven't blown up yet. Some of Girls them will never blow up. I
0: get it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and they're brilliant at just helping each other out. And I think that that model of people who have that support network around them, they're just more likely to win. Mm. So if you can just play the odds game and say... Yeah, but what if I got some people around me that I could say, hey, is anyone else having issues with shipping right now? Who do you use? Is there anyone else that I should be trying? And if someone's found something out, well, then tell your friends. Like, help people out because they don't need to go through that mistake. They might save thousands of dollars a year by flipping to another provider or by all of you together going and hiring an accountant so that you're not just all paying the same rate as one-on-one, mm. but five of you have gone to one accountant and said, hey, we're going to move as a group, but mm-hmm. we want a good deal, you know? And so why not try to find this way of like being this stronger together notion? I think there's so much in that.
0: Is that your motto, stronger together?
1: In some ways, it's a bit of a throwaway one, but the more we talk about it, the more I believe in it. And the more mm. that I think that there's that. You know the part of AmpJar that we that we really solve at the moment is this: Hey, we want to help you work together better so that you've got more reach and you get in front of more customers. But the stronger together thing for me just goes so much further than that. It like what if what if these small businesses worked together in lots of different areas? Like in as I said, like in buying power when you were hiring mm-hmm. an accountant. What about you got a better deal on postage because five of you went to somewhere together, or ten of you, or twenty of you, or a thousand of you went somewhere together? And so I think that the problem with this new wave of small like e-commerce businesses is that there's no organization. And it doesn't have to be. But if you look at more mature markets, like just because I spoke about it earlier, like the hair salon industry, for instance, mm-hmm. there's a there's a peak body with a bulldog of a CEO who mm-hmm. when COVID's hitting, she's out there talking to government saying, no, nah, you've got to open up for, for salons. If you want us to all vote for you next year, mm-hmm. you've got to open up for salons. You've got to let us have more than half an hour for people to get their hair colored. And that all happened because they lobbied and they lobbied hard and they got out there, but no one's out there representing the small business. And so what mm. that future looks like. I don't know. But maybe it is as far as that and saying, how do we organize ourselves better? How do we get cheaper rates for things because we're all willing to work together as well as exchanging knowledge and exchanging traffic?
0: Yeah. Do you find that it's quite a female-led industry? And do you think that that's the reason that maybe they don't get the representation is that they're moms and they're juggling and they're you know doing things as a side hustle to looking up, you know, looking after other responsibilities? Do you find that that's a reason why maybe they're not as represented as they could be? And is there a solution for that?
1: Yeah, short answer, 100%. Yes. And and in some ways, you know, the, the pandemic was a pandemic of women in many ways. I like the, the the way that the economic pandemic really hit everyone it was you were vastly more likely to lose your job if you're a woman you were vastly more likely to be taking on additional hours at home if you were you were a woman if you were the mom in the family like they're the ones who took more of a hit and i think you know there's there's a huge opportunity to be able to try to pull this stuff together but there's an angle here of people not People are not being taken seriously either because they're not taking themselves seriously and don't stand up and say, you know, I have built something incredibly impressive here. I have done something amazing that is worth putting time and effort into. And because it's so fragmented, because my wife runs her business from that desk that I can look at right now, you mm-hmm. know, and so it, there's, there's so many people who are running their businesses from spare rooms and back of garages and through the just a laptop on a, on a couch, you know, there's so many people are doing brilliant things there. And I think too many times they're not taken seriously and it'll, as it grows, maybe someone will take it seriously, but we'd love, we'd love that group to be able to grab the bull by the horns themselves and say, yeah, take us seriously. Like we, we, we matter. We mean a lot. And if we went away, what would you have left? And Everyone would suffer.
0: Yeah. I feel like you're working quite in a space where there aren't that many men kind of representing for the women and representing for equal and representing for community and small business. What put you in this position? You know, why did you have a lot of sisters? <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's the story? <laughs> you
1: know, I think that the the first area that I really got into it was when we had the twin girls. So our girls are now almost seven. And so they... When Maria started, my wife started buying things for the for the girls. She was she was just shopping on Instagram. She was just saying, Oh, I found this incredible brand over here that does gum boots. And so she bought gum boots from Hubble and Duke, and she bought play-doh from Happy Hands, Happy Heart, and she bought like the hairband stuff from Top Knot Girl. And so there's all these little, every part of our life was. Like the girl's first shoes were from Just for a Baby, so every single part of our life was from picking out a brand that actually meant something. Mm-hmm. And then we would get these packages arrive at our house every day that were hand packed. It wasn't the Amazon box; it was hand packed. Mm-hmm. You open it up, it had a letter in it that said, mm-hmm. "Hey Maria, thanks so much for supporting our little business. Like we hope we hope you love this. And yeah, it just it just matters so. It just means so much. And mm-hmm. I think." I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I'm like the I'm the opportune marketer on this. I'm not looking at this in a oh I just want to help the world kind of thing. I think I'm looking at it saying it helps the world when it goes this way. And long term, we can take a long term view of this. But ultimately, we're in it because I think it's a win. Mm. This group is gonna win, and this group needs a bit of help in some areas. But yeah, I think it was it was definitely it was fueled by being a consumer in that area and seeing how seeing the impact that it makes on both sides when you shop smaller, when you actually put your credit card in that direction and you buy from a small brand.
0: And and do you really think that small business is going to win? Like, do you think that that's the future is that is, is kind of nurturing the small business arena?
1: Yeah. I think there's a really weird inflection point coming up in Australia, which is like the growth of Amazon. And I kind of hate seeing how effective they are at all this because, Mm -hmm. you know, you on Amazon, you can just jump on and you can say like, I just need X and you just jump on and buy X. And it's not, it doesn't matter the brand, you're just buying the commodity. Mm. I think there's a really dangerous thing there because, you know, of, of speedy shipping and all this kind of stuff and how quickly you get there if you're on Prime and you get it the next day and all this stuff. I think that the great thing is that tech allows the smaller brands to move together mm. and, and to be better at shipping, for instance, and to be better at the checkout process, for instance. And so... For instance, Shopify allows all these brands to have the same checkout experience. There's so many big brands use Shopify as their as their technology now. So the checkout experience for buying from a mom who's making her first sale is the same checkout experience as buying from Tony Bianco for the shoe, the shoe company. I think that's really empowering for the small business because you're not you're never going to be left behind because there's a motivation there for one of the biggest companies in the world that just says, I'm backing these small businesses. I'm backing these guys. And there are areas that you clearly can't get into. And I think we're closed off, like the whole world is closed off from certain sectors. But the sectors that these businesses operate in, in fashion and beauty and lifestyle, homewares and kids and baby and all those kind of things, I think there's so much opportunity for that group to win and that the tech will will be a major asset to that, not something that ever holds back.
0: So you're basically the Shopify, for marketing small business, right? You can be their marketing platform like Shopify is the e commerce platform for businesses big and small.
1: I think the power of Shopify is exactly where we want to be in terms of the ability for them to make a difference. And our platform gets exponentially better the more people who join. So if you go back to when we had 200 brands on the platform, obviously the choice that you had and the people that you wanted to share was so much more reduced, whereas now the supply means it's better and better and it's getting so much stronger and stronger and stronger every single day. So yeah, we're we're excited for the acceleration that should happen over the coming weeks and months.
0: So you're going to give us a little insight into what the future looks like or do you have to keep that under wraps at the moment?
1: Yeah, I'm happy to talk about anything really. So one area that we're diving into right now, which will be out when this goes out, is tapping into consumer. So how do we help turn a brand's biggest fans into someone who can actually advocate for them and advocate for them in a really natural way? I think there's something a little bit broken with the... Shout out on stories by a customer. You know, when the customer goes and grabs a coffee from somewhere, they put something up on stories and says, and it says it stays there for 24 hours, and someone might see it. Or they go and get their haircut, and it stays there for 24 hours, and mm. but that's it. What we're tapping into, we, we've got a product called Shortlist that we're launching, which is all about customers of brands standing up and saying, these are my favourite brands in these mm. areas. These are my favourite brands in these areas. This is what's in my makeup bag, this is what's in my rock climbing kit, this is what I bought when we had our little baby and all mm-hmm. these kind of things because we see it so often in the in Facebook groups and in just general discussion. People always want to know if it's if it's good enough for you, it's good enough for me. Like if you went through that tell me because I don't want to have to think about all these terrible decisions I have to make about now we've got twin baby girls like what should we what should we get like help me yeah. and so I think friends helping friends to discover other businesses is is critically powerful especially with the way that advertising works now so advertising through Facebook is really broken advertising through any other platform is really hard and so I think that the model of really empowering your customers to stand up for you and really go into bat for you is is the next way that we want to help these businesses.
0: Oh, that sounds so cool. I can can absolutely agree with that. I would love to know the ins and outs of my friend's makeup bag so I didn't have to ever think about what brand to buy again, because I think you're right. There are so many brands and so many businesses and so many products out there. It is hard to actually find what you're looking for. So you do make a lot of mistakes. And I guess that shout out model and that community kind of recommendation model does really help other people who already know that they like something, but they just don't know what it might be. This has been a huge conversation and loved talking to you, but we're kind of coming to the end. And I did want to ask you a couple of questions that we do ask um, all of our interview guests. And that is, have you read a book that's kind of really changed your life or impacted your decisions along the way that you can think of?
1: I'm going to pick something really recent that I read because I think that this book is really simple in its way. But is it, it can be a really good kind of diary for life or a, a really good way to organize your life, which is Atomic Habits. Mm-hmm. So it's really recent. You'll be able to get it anywhere. My wife's reading my copy right now. And it's one of those books that I think. It allows you sometimes to take a step back. And I think there's lots of books out there that just inspire you and give you lots of thoughts about, hey, how to run a business and how to do these things. And I'm a, I'm a non-fiction reader. I'm not a big fiction reader at all because uh, I, just, I just can't get my head into it somehow, which is awful. Um, I'll discover the joy one day. But this book uh, is all about how you structure and think about things. And I want to try to help these business owners to really cut through the noise because you have... The problem that we we know the biggest challenge for any small business owner that we ever deal with is time. And it's always about I can't do this when I've also got these thousand things going on. And unfortunately, the best way for, for these people to help themselves is by just trying to be a superhuman at turning themselves into being the most organized person that they can be. That's critical to them being able to juggle life and family and kids and keeping fit and healthy and eating great food and having fun and running a business it's hard to do all those things. And I think that if you can, if you can try to be a real superhuman at doing that atomic habits is a, is a real help.
0: I am going to be ordering that straight after this <laughs> chat. And one of the things I wanted to also ask was, you know, you you've obviously doing a very purpose-led work at the moment, doing it for a real altruistic reason, which is trying to help others. But is this something that you, if you were standing up on a podium and had that, you know, voice to speak to a lot of people, is there a big message you've got on top of your mind that really kind of is important to you and you want to get off your chest?
1: The succinct way of saying it is your biggest strength is where you can spend money. So we have a lot of a lot less power maybe in life these days, in that, you know, you might live in a constituency where your vote doesn't really matter and you and you live in a strong labor war or liberal area or Greens area, whatever it might be, and and you're your role in the democratic process is actually quite small and you can't really do, you maybe can't do a lot where you spend money makes all the difference. If you can support businesses that really matter to you and make that conscious decision to say, no, I'm not going to put my money into that energy provider because they do this stuff or I'm going to move my superannuation from these guys because I don't like that they do that. Like you're allowed to do those things. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to chop and change. And you're allowed to make those decisions. And if we all thought really consciously that you know climate change matters to me, or quality matters to me, or you know Black Lives Matter movements matter, matters to me, think about where you spend money, because that's the biggest, most powerful thing you have. If you mm. stop spending money, if we all stop spending money with with the businesses that we think do bad jobs in in those areas, it will all move quickly, and it will all move very, very quickly. So we we can't always vote. With, our, with a tick in a box in the way that we want to, but we can vote with our dollars. And I think that goes from spending money at petrol stations and to spending money with um, small businesses and choosing a small business over Kmart. At one point in time, those things make a massive difference. Mm. And again, if we all did the same thing and if we all found those directions, we would we would really make a massive difference.
0: I really love that sentiment and it's easy to kind of forget in when you're at Woolies or you're at Kmart and it's convenient and it's easy and it's cheap, but you're right. It's every little decision and that power of your pocket on the economy is so huge, like as you say. It's been so amazing having you on the podcast this week. I'm so glad we're wrapping up 2021 with this um, very important message and I'll definitely be spreading the word on an amp jar around the traps. Thank you so much for joining
1: No, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Make sure you subscribe to our channel and stay tuned for more episodes from A Moment with Modern Mentors coming your way soon.